leading the war against the societal programming for a fast, broke, and unhappy population. Our mission is to make you the boss of your mind to free you from that very societal programming. I am one of your co-hosts, Gabe Plugas. What's up, guys? I am the other co-host, Jack Bly. And today we have an amazing guest, someone who's experienced so many hardships early on in his life, such as the death of his father, heartbreak moving across the globe. But today he has become known for his extreme discipline, his unique writing ability, and his incredible podcast of his own. Welcome to the show, Zaid K. Dahaj. How you doing, my man? I'm doing amazing. I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. We're so excited to have you on here. Uh, we definitely, we know you have so many interesting uh, ideas and experiences of your own. So the first thing that I'm very curious about that I want to jump into is, you know, a lot of the hardships that you experienced early on at such a young age and, you know, how you feel yeah. that's just contributed to maybe the man that you are today. So can you kind of take us through some of those experiences and really how they impacted you? Yeah. So, so like anybody else I've been through, I've been through ups and downs. I've, you know, we're all on the roller coaster of life, so to speak. So I think the, the most important and difficult moment that I've been through was, as you mentioned, the death of my father, I was 18 years old. And I also happened to be across the globe in England, pursuing uh, my dream of playing soccer professionally. And so he basically, when I was a sophomore in high school, he had his first heart attack. Uh, and then I received news when I went off to England when I was 18, that he had a second heart attack. And it was really tough because I didn't know anybody uh, at the time there very closely. I had teammates around me, but they weren't people that I could really lean on. So I really had to get in touch with myself. I had to have a conversation with myself and basically create a healthier relationship with solitude. Um, yeah, I, I would say that it's, I often say it's the most difficult experience I've been through, but I'm also very grateful for it. Why is that, man? Um, I know that so many people, you know, everyone's obviously dealt with death in, in some way, shape or form or will deal with death. Um, and I know that the moment you actually yep. got that news, you probably weren't thinking, I'm grateful this is happening, right? Um, so why do you say now that you're grateful for that extremely painful situation that you went through at such a young age? Mm. Well, hindsight's always 2020. So when you're actually in a traumatic experience, it's difficult to think of it from that perspective. But when you, when the years start to pass by and when you start to reflect more about the situation, then you begin to see how it's, uh, lays a certain path for you to become a stronger human being. And in the case of my father's death, I began to notice how uh, I would reflect upon what kind of man he was and how I would relate, relate that to what kind of man I wanted to be. Uh, so it's mainly a process of self-reflection that really, really allows you to take a traumatic experience and turn it into a goldmine of wisdom, so to speak. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that I think, you know, people listening right now, uh, and even myself is wondering, you know, maybe what is something practical that someone listening right now could do if they're maybe experiencing a similar situation, some traumatic experience, maybe it's a death of their family, maybe it's, mm -hmm. you know, losing a job, something else, 
how how do you think is something practical that they can react with so they can you know react in that more positive way to actually to growth uh so so i have a very good answer for this and because uh so ever since i was young so my father was a was a pe teacher actually a physical education teacher and that's essentially where i learned the importance of health from an early age so for anybody who's going through a traumatic experience whether it's the death of somebody you love or losing a job as you mentioned my number one go to is to always take care of your health because that's where everything starts that's the foundation uh if if you don't have your health then everything spirals down from that point forward and you know everything worsens so number one take care of your health number two show love to the people around you there are people who you can lean on who can support you uh and vice versa so i think you should take advantage of that and number 3 i'd say take some time to be alone with yourself and uh self reflect because that that was that was crucial for me in the in, in my history yeah absolutely um i know that you're talking about how you know the number one thing you can do uh just from a fundamental standpoint is take care of your health because that's just the foundation of not heading down um that path of just self destruction um and i really like how you put an emphasis an emphasis on being able to control that one thing that you have you have complete control over the foods you put in your mouth or what you do with your body and i think that yeah. a lot of people um might head down that path of maybe depression and anxiety when something traumatic happens because instead of taking control of their health they tend to dive into habits that actually deteriorate their health which is one of the only things they can control they turn mm -hmm. to drugs they turn to alcohol they turn to porn they turn to other addictions so what do you think is the big mistake that people make right after a traumatic experience that leads them down the path of self destruction oh i would i would say the most fundamental mistake they make is they try to run from pain instead of confronting it which is i think the main reason why they find themselves uh find themselves getting into addictions uh as pornography or junk food consumption whatever it may be uh, they're you know it's it's one truth of life that i've learned and it's you have to whenever you have a pain that you feel within you have to confront it immediately or else it gets worse so it doesn't matter what kind of trauma it is you have to confront it immediately and i'm a big believer in that yeah yeah so i agree with that 100% um i always like to think you know kill your monsters when they're small cuz if you don't yeah whatever habit whatever path you're on it's going to compound you know if you're on that destructive path um for maybe people that are have addictions to alcohol or junk food it can start with just that one drink and then it's just going to start to compound from there um but it's the same thing with good habits as well maybe you just pick up a new habit of reading or of working out those things mm -hmm. compound as well so it's so important to when you're in these very emotional and vulnerable you know states of taking big things back to their foundation focus on what you can control and you know that could be your health so i definitely i agree with that 100% uh you want to steer into a little fun topic that we have planned <laughs> yeah let's, let's get into it man i'm all about fun yeah dude <laughs> so you know we're talking about controlling you know the fundamentals the foundations 
um, that lead you down productive habits, down productive paths, and um, you know, losing control of maybe habits or behaviors that lead you down uh, self-destruction um, and depression. Uh, so one thing that is relatively unheard of that I don't hear a lot of guys talking about, um, but that seems to be extremely powerful is the practice of semen retention. So I've only heard yes, a few yes. really, really high level guys actually have the balls to mention this, no pun intended. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not something that a lot of guys are comfortable talking about, maybe because they don't know enough about how the mechanism actually works. But what is semen retention? What do you mean by semen retention? Because uh, I do have some follow-up questions um, once you kind of dive into it. But what do you mean by semen retention and why is it something that you recommend? Yeah, of course. Um, semen retention at the most fundamental and basic level is not ejaculating and channeling that, whatever you want to call it, sexual energy, uh, angry energy into productive means, whether it be training your body, strengthening your body, um, getting better at a certain skill, making more money at work, uh, getting better at creating a strong foundation for your relationships. So the, the way I perceive it, it's just a way to take advantage of the natural energetic system within you and just harness it yeah. at its highest potential. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Obviously, um, I think you know every guy can kind of attest uh, to experiencing that primal energy that you're kind of talking about. So you're really talking about controlling that, harnessing it, and putting it into something uh, productive and being able to uh, attack that productive task with the same energy you would having sex or jacking off. Um, yeah, think, and, and if anything, sorry to interrupt. If anything, no I recommend it for most young gentlemen because a lot of guys are spending their time on, on the computer screen, jacking off to whatever pornography they're into, clown porn, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever they're into, all right? Yeah. And it's, it's a major problem. I've seen people that I know who have an addiction to pornography, an addiction to ejaculation, and you can see how deflated they are energetically. You can see it in their face, their posture, uh, how they interact with other people, especially with how they interact with women. So yeah. it's a major problem that needs to be addressed. So my big question then is, I've heard also a lot of really successful guys who, who talk about self-improvement talk about the, mm-hmm. the importance of, of sex with your wife, yeah. how that can affect kind of your, your drive and your emotional states and your ability to, to harness energy and control energy. So what is the difference between somebody, you know, engaging in sex with their wife and how that affects them emotionally and mentally versus somebody who is finding themselves controlled by a computer screen or a phone screen who is addicted to jacking off. Mm. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a major difference because when you're talking about having sex with your wife, for example, that, that's a form of, that's the ultimate form of connection that I can think of. Right. It's, it's one of the most powerful bonding experiences that human beings can have with one another. So in that, in that respect, it's healthy. Uh, but mm-hmm. when you look at uh, a lot of young men who are addicted to pornography, that's, it's almost like 
it's a form of, I mean, really it destroys any, any part of social intelligence on their end because they're just ingraining this habit where they're not interacting with young women. They're not, uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there who are married who, who are addicted to pornography. So that, that's, a, that's a major issue. And that's, um, those two are, are two diametrically uh, opposed things. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, what is your practical advice for someone who's in these addictions right now? So they, they're just addicted to watching pornography, you know, jacking off, and it's destroying their life. So like you said, it can absolutely destroy your energy levels, just how you interact with people socially, um, your personal life, your professional life, everything. So what would be some practical advice to someone who's struggling with this right now? Well, with, um, with addic- addiction in general, it's tricky, excuse me. It's, uh, there, you can attack it on many fronts, but uh, I, have to, I have to go back. So I think of life, uh, at least in, in my life, I think of it from four different ends. So you have the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and uh, emotional. So I suggest that somebody start with picking one habit that meets either three or four of those um, domains. In other words, what's, the, what's one habit that can improve both your physical life, your mental and emotional life, as well as your spiritual life? And honestly, with, especially with uh, your guys' message and lifestyle, I think training, hitting the gym is one of those important things that a lot of people can take advantage of especially considering that most people are unhealthy. Uh, I believe the obesity rate just hits, what was it, 46% of the United States population are obese now. So I know the last one I, I was, think uh, people- I know the last one was 42.6%, I believe, but that was, I don't know if there's a new study or, any, or anything that came out. Yeah, it's, it's something insane. I mean, to be in this position where almost half of the population is obese, that's- that's unacceptable. So I think uh, training and just developing a healthy lifestyle in general is, is crucial for people to break out of addiction because it's, it's, uh, it's fundamental to uh, a great life. Right. I know when you're talking about the subject of trying to pick a habit or behavior that covers one of those four fundamental domains, um, you're probably talking about doing a habit that seems hard, right? Like something like training, something that requires discipline, something that requires um, a certain level of effort. That's not just a passive habit of like walking and like staring at the sunset or something like that. Um, So I guess my question is in terms of how people were looking at situations that were happening in 2020 specifically, where there is this unprecedented pandemic, this unprecedented social situation where, um, you know, people are literally locked in their houses. Um, It seemed Mm -hmm. that that situation made it super easy to make an excuse, to blame 2020, to blame, oh, I, there's no reason for me to work on myself, to improve myself, um, to manage myself because we're locked inside anyway. I'll get back to it when lockdown ends or whatever it may be. So what do you think is the big notion 
that led people towards their ultimate downfall in 2020 specifically um, in relation to kind of what went on last year? Mm, interesting question. Um, I really think that, so for, for the majority of people before lockdown, they, they had an unhealthy lifestyle. And I just think the, the pandemic and 2020 in general has just been a large excuse for people to fall deeper into that trap. Because, if, I mean, you can, you can also take the example of healthy people before the pandemic, people who have developed sustainable habits, and they are becoming even more healthier. They're becoming stronger. They're becoming faster. Um, so I just think, I ultimately think it's an excuse for people to avoid taking responsibility. And I know I can be a hard ass, uh, especially with this topic of personal responsibility on some people. Yeah. But it's, it's the truth. You have, to, you have to acknowledge that you are responsible for your life uh, while also being able to adapt to whatever, cir whatever circumstance or events occur. Yeah, it's crazy that some people come to, you know, these conclusions that, you know, say they're out of shape, they're overweight or even obese. And, you know, there's this pandemic where you're at a much, much, much higher risk of any complications when you're obese. But then somehow yeah. they still use this as an excuse to continue down their current path, their current habits, when they're not even understanding the, the real situation going on of their health, of the potential complications they can have when they continue these habits. So it's honestly, it's, a, it's astounding to me when people can continue to make the excuse of lockdowns, oh, my gym is closed, oh, all these different things are going on, have all my family at the house, it's hard to do my normal life, normal routine. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to me. It really is mind-blowing to me how people can continue to make excuses on excuses on excuses when the reality of the situation is it's their fault. You know, it all starts with ownership. If you don't have that ownership, you'll never make any progress in anything that you do. So it's, it's honestly crazy to me. Yeah, that, that, I 100% agree. That's the truth. And even worse, I'm sure you've, you guys have seen on Twitter is that mainstream media is pushing this, uh, this narrative and agenda that the, with the whole fat, uh, you know, fit and any size movement, you know, we can just yeah. put obese people on the cover of magazines and, and just accept that. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's totally unacceptable. You are, you are telling people who are already unhealthy and sick as it is that their way of life is okay. And that they are not putting themselves in an even more dangerous position, especially considering uh, the context of COVID. Yeah, especially in this context, you would think that this would have been maybe the last straw for the fit any size movement. Maybe the mainstream media, who seems to be so concerned with this pandemic being the deadliest thing to ever cross humanity, um, maybe this would have been the last straw for them to say, you know what, um, actually COVID is actually really fucking bad and you can't be fat because it makes it a lot worse, but it seems that they have just doubled down, um, on these excuses for living a self-destructive lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And honestly, I expect nothing less from, from mainstream media or the masses because most, I think most people are foolish, unfortunately. And it takes a lot of work to learn how to become wise, um, but it's certainly possible for people who uh, who are curious enough to, you know, educate themselves in the form of this podcast, for example, or read books or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I kind of want 
I would love to hear kind of your perspective on that. So I know just personally, and I think I've seen an article that you've written before on how, you know, we're filled with a population of mostly sheep. Everyone will just read something and they'll believe it instantly. Um, mm. if, it become, if it comes from a, you know, somewhat credible source. So I'm curious, what's your perspective on, you know, kind of the state of the population and how do you become a more critical thinker to distinguish what is truth and maybe what is deceiving you? Mm. Uh, so I like to I like to take an evolutionary perspective on a lot of things. Um, so if you, when you think of most people being sheep, you have to realize that that was a, a survival strategy back when we were uh, cavemen back in the day, hundreds of thousands of years ago. If you did not, if you did not uh, stick with the group, and if you did not agree as a collective, uh, as a collective whole then you would be left alone and you would die. Right. So I understand why most people act like that. And most people want to uh, take on the most conventional and popular narrative. Uh, and I also think that people fear the unknown. They're not willing to, as we mentioned before, take responsibility for their own education. And they would rather, they would rather stick to what they know, even though it's a shitty uh, known instead of delve into the unknown. And as per, as per your question as to how people can learn how to become critical thinkers, I think, the, I mean, honestly, some, I think most people need a red pill moment in their life, uh, whether it be, you know, a, a traumatic event or, or something of that sort to open their eyes so that they can become curious enough to go down that road. Right. And, you know, I, I never... I never wish any ill on anybody, but the reality is life is going to throw curveballs at you, uh, and you're going to have to take them and, and learn how to adapt to the to the situation. Right. I know um, specifically on this subject, you posted a tweet recently, and it, it read something like, "You haven't changed because you're not angry enough at your current situation." And with everything that we're talking mm. about, how the mainstream media seems to push these movements that almost normalize mediocrity, um, it seems like what the goal is, is to make sure that when something shitty happens in your life, or when you confront a situation um, that would make you unhappy, it seems like they want to almost dull the trauma of that. Like, no, it, it, you're, it's not actually that bad. That, that you're obese. It's not actually that bad that uh, you jack off three times a day. Um, and it kind of creates <laughs> yeah. this mindset of not being angry enough at your current situation, which means there's no incentive to change. So if somebody finds themselves stuck in this false belief pattern of lying to themselves when they look in the mirror, telling themselves that it's okay, um, that they're mediocre or maybe way below average, what mm -hmm. can they do if they haven't experienced that red pill moment where something really horrible happens? How can they convince themselves actively uh, to start taking action in the right direction? I think, so I think a lot of people can take advantage of the anger that they feel. Um, as, a, as a competitive soccer player, I experience, a, I have high standards for myself. So I am angry a lot of the time. Yeah. Not most of the time, but a lot of times I experience the anger. The thing that I've learned is I've, I've, 
I understand how to channel that into productive means, just like we were speaking about before. Uh, so instead of, I, I think the worst thing that people can do is, is head towards the road, is walk down the road of apathy and feel sorry for themselves because they get nothing done from that perspective. If anything, they make, every, they make, uh, they make everything worse if they, if they end up becoming apathetic about the situation they find them, themselves in. So I really, I acknowledge people to get angry because I sit here pissed at myself for, for, not, for not rising up to whatever standard that I deem fit. And if I fall below that standard, then I have a right to become angry at myself and work towards a better future. And I don't think many people use anger enough to their advantage. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree with that. I think this takes me back to, uh, we had a conversation with Tyler Top the other day and uh, he shared the story about how when he was a kid and he played baseball, uh, one of his games, he, you know, he hit the ball and one of the opponents, they caught it for an out and he, he was all frustrated mm. and sad. And his dad came over to him and he pretty much said, Hey, Tyler, in this moment, you can either be a victim or a victor, but you can't be both. So I think the point of that is we all experience, you know, these struggles, these downfalls, no matter how small or how big, we all experience a range of emotions, whether it's anger, sadness, frustration, but the difference is in how we channel those mm -hmm. in our reaction to them. So someone can take a terrible situation and then, you know, take on that victim mentality, though the woe is me mentality and go down these dark, bad habits of poor eating, of poor health, of all these other different things, or they can channel that, they can channel that to challenge themselves to become better of, you know what, I'm going to get to the gym five times a week. Now I'm going to take complete control of my diet. I'm going to be the best uh, husband, the best father that I can be right now, because I want to be the leader for all the people around me. Jumping off of what Jack finished up saying there, um, he was talking about how one of the biggest difference makers in terms of how people end up uh, from these quote unquote red pill moments or traumatic situations is really their reaction. And it reminds me of the conversation um, we had with Joey and he really left us, uh, Joey of Cypreneur, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with him on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah. He really left us with, the, the idea that you have more control um, over your, your destiny or your destination or whatever you want to call it than you think. And it starts with the consistency principle, making sure that your, um, your actions align with what you believe. So I think that when people find themselves in these certain situations, wondering how they're going to get into you know, the right mindset um, of taking the right actions they need to understand that they have more control over their thoughts than they'd like to think, um, especially in 2020 and, and in 2021, um, where people are coming off of 2020 thinking that year was horrible, uh, that year was you know mm -hmm. the worst year of my life. Um, what do you think the thought process should be for them going into 2021 to make 2021 a year of victory, as opposed to just falling uh, further down uh, the pitfall? I think they need to completely forget about 2020. Um, I think people are, they're too attached to, to what happened in the past. Sure, you can refer to past events and learn some things uh, and gather, gather some lessons, but 
really looking back on it is overrated in my opinion. I think the only thing that you have is the present moment. And there are plenty of, you know, it depends on whatever you believe, but there are plenty of spiritual teachers who say that now is the only thing that exists and that the past and future are figments of your imagination. And I agree with that. But at the same time, you have to take advantage of what you have at your disposal right now so that you can make your future um, as, as excellent as possible. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And that's kind of the practice that we use with uh, a lot of the people that we work with. Um, we like them to take on what we call the process-focused mindset. So, mm. you know, I'm sure if everyone listening right now, if they've ever dieted before, tried to achieve any, you know, fitness goals that requires them to be strict with their nutrition, they've had a day where, where they've slipped up, where they've binged or ate more than what they should have. And there's a very important thing in the reaction to this situation. So some people are going to come the next day and they're going to be pissed off at themselves and they're going to react in a way to maybe overcompensate or just go down a path of, Oh, it's over. I might as well wait until next Monday. Yeah. And that this small situation translates into all these other bigger situations that we've been talking about. And the other choice that people have is to wipe the slate clean every single day. If you wake up, it's a brand new day, brand new opportunities. Yesterday doesn't matter. The only place that you can live is in the present, like you said. Um, so I think it's very important that people live in the present moment. You know, there's no living to be done in the past. There's no living to be done in the future. You can only control what you're doing in this very second. And the more that you focus on today and what you're doing today, the better that your today is going to be. That's really my perspective on it. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I totally agree. Yeah, and um, going off of that, Jack, I think that a great example of somebody just living in the present moment and controlling what they do as opposed to dwelling on the past or being too worried about the future is um, when one of our, our clients messaged us, I believe it was the day after Thanksgiving or Christmas, one of those days. And they said, definitely went over uh, my, my calorie amount yesterday. Um, yeah. Should I go into a, a thousand calorie a day deficit, um, you know, for, for the rest, <laughs> for, for every day this week uh, to make up for it? And they're, they're apologizing to us saying, I feel so bad. I'm sorry. I let you guys down. And our response was just like, no, like I don't give a fuck because the cool thing about human <laughs> being human is that we always have the power to make the next best decision. And so many people get caught up in, oh my God, I ruined all my progress or I relapsed. Uh, you hear that from people coming out of alcohol addictions, but that one mistake doesn't actually have to define what you do in that next moment. You always have the power to make the next best decision. Yeah. I mean, you, if you look at the course of anybody's life, they've made plenty of mistakes. It's, it's a normal part of the human experience, but what do you, the only thing that matters is what are you going to do right now? Right. That's the only, like, like I mentioned, that's the only thing you have control over. There's no, there's no benefit in, in sulking over what could have been or what you could have done differently. Focus on the now and execute. That's the only thing that people really care about at the end of the day. 
yeah, one thing I'm curious about is I know you're a competitive soccer player. So I'm sure you've had some, maybe some bad games or some bad moments and you've had a rebound from that and, you know, come in the next day with a clear mindset and, you know, the fire lit within you to still go to practice and execute 100%, give everything your fullest ability. So do you have any maybe stories or experiences that you could share with us about that? Oh yeah, I've I've plenty of, uh, I can't think of one specific story in mind, but when it comes to soccer, so I started playing at the age of four, um, 24 right now. So almost 20 years of, of, of serious gameplay that I've, that I've, uh, I've built up and there are plenty of days where I don't feel motivated to go to practice. Uh, there are plenty of days where I'm struggling with an injury or a little uh, soft, uh, tissue injury or something like that. And it sucks, but I think what really drives me is the love for the game. And it's very cliche, but I think a lot of yeah. athletes have this in common where they do the thing for its own sake. They love it so much for its own sake. They don't care about the rewards that they might get. Uh, right. They don't care about the accolades, uh, accolades as much. It's, um, it's purely just for, for their own enjoyment. And uh, I, I resonate with that because nothing, nothing in the world makes me feel better than being on the field. It doesn't matter what time of day it is, what the weather is. That is, that is my muse. That's my jam. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, kind of going back off of uh, the topic of sports. Um, I want to kind of relate this into the topic of controlling your own self image. Um, Cause I know this is something you talk about quite a bit, how a fat man has to kill his own self image of being a fat man to become a fit uh, man. <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. this reminds me of my own athletic career when I was in high school. Um, our high school volleyball team was actually amazing. You know, every other team in town um, in, in the state would look at us and just think that we were the absolute killers. We had a few kids um, who currently play in division one uh, men's volleyball yeah. programs um, right now, and they're dominating the college game. Um, and we had right leading up to the state qualifying um, tournament, you know, we had a few bad games and it seems like we kind of I adopted this idea that we were a mediocre team, even though every person on our, in our starting lineup and half the people on the bench would make the other kids, you know, shake in their pants <laughs> before yeah. games. Um, and it seemed that we kind of adopted that identity of we're mediocre. And sure enough, we, that we took that and translated it into the state qualifying tournament, ended up not even qualifying uh, for the state tournament. So what are some things that people can actually tell themselves um, to change that self-image that they have of themselves? I think that, I mean, I think the most effective way to do that is to change one's actions. But also that's, that's also one of the most difficult things to do because uh, most people are addicted to their, their normal way of life. Um, what I did when I was younger, uh, around the age of 18, yeah, around 18, I just, I literally uh, brainwashed myself. I read books that I wanted to read more about. I listened to people, you know, stereotypical Tony Robbins. Uh, now you have David Goggins. You have plenty of people to rely on to brainwash yourself. 
Yeah. So if you have to put on an audio and just, just go to work, just keep listening to it. I think that's a really interesting topic that you bring up because I'm sure someone listening to this right now is freaking out over that word brainwashed. Like, oh, I don't want to get brainwashed. No, but they don't realize that every single person on this earth is brainwashed right now, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So you're going to get brainwashed by your friends, your family, your upbringing, uh, the people that you follow on social media, uh, the media that you consume on a daily mm -hmm. basis, uh, you know, no matter what. So you might as well choose to have that programming, have that brainwashing be beneficial for you and actually force you to grow for the rest of your life rather than make you miserable and negative and just sad all the time. So I think that's a really interesting topic that you bring up. Um, do you have any insight on that? How maybe people could start to program their minds in the right direction? Uh, I think, I mean, if people, if people are able to surround themselves with uh, anybody who is at a higher level in whatever realm or domain they, they want to improve in, I think that's immensely valuable. Um, you know, as I mentioned, exposing, exposing yourself to new ideas through certain books, there are plenty of, there are plenty of shitty books available, but there are also plenty of amazing books available for people to consume. And uh, really, I think it comes down to a, commi a commitment to improve. Uh, that's how it, that's the foundation of everything good. And I think most people usually water that commit, that internal feeling down with the distractions of society. So yeah, yeah, I think um, just, just being around or surrounding yourself with information or other people that, that have a growth mindset is, is crucial. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I think the missing piece where so many people go wrong um, is when they make the decision to start to control their inputs. Maybe they start reading books, start listening to, to helpful podcasts or educating themselves. Um, but some people still end up getting stuck um, in yeah. this kind of limbo state. Um, and I think that one of the major issues is because they don't have goals. And even mm. though they're not intentionally, you know, destroying themselves, they are still not on the path of actually growing themselves and improving themselves. And it can be hard to kind of figure out, you know, what are some goals that you can set for yourself on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, on a mental level, kind of how you talked about earlier. Um, mm -hmm. But what do you think are some, some tangible practical goals somebody can set for themselves on an emotional level or on a spiritual level or on a mental level? Speaking of goals, I think, I think that one, one thing people need to focus on more is their value system. Because once you have, once you consciously have a list of values that you abide by, um, rain or shine, then everything, everything flows from there. So I would, I would urge people to get in touch with who they are, who they currently are, what results they, they, are getting right now and who they want to be and from that perspective then you can choose a certain number of values that you can you can choose to live through and from there the the goals will will naturally manifest in your life and uh you'll have more clarity heading in the right direction i love that that's actually that's a practice that i've done myself i've literally taken out a pen and a, a notebook and just thought and pondered, what are my top values in this life? What is important to me? I just spent so much time 
you know, brainstorming those exact values in my life. And then once I was able to do that, I came up with my top five to eight values that are really important to me. All the decisions throughout my day became simple because like you said, we gain so much clarity through our values because it tells us what's important to us. And then once you have that clarity, it's in kind of black and white decisions become simple. And then from there, you can really find out, you know, what is your deeper purpose in life and how you, you can form goals around that very mm. purpose. Yeah. And then once you, and then you begin to get a taste for how discipline creates freedom in your life. And once, once you get, once you get a taste of that, it's game over. Then you just, right. you're on a, you're on a positive momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a practice that, you know, I I've been implementing as well. And I think that's something very valuable uh, that people should be prepared um, to encounter is that even sometimes when you have your value system established and you seem to have a positive momentum driving you towards your goals, there are still going to be situations that arise in your life that may force you to make a decision that might conflict with some of your values. Um, and mm -hmm. it, it becomes extremely confusing when you're already in a positive space um, because you, you've become so unfamiliar with the suffering <laughs> that you used to live in. And I yeah. think that one of, the, one of the practical things that people can do is if you're one of the people who already has that momentum built and you're working towards something and a situation comes up that almost feels like it's going to knock you off of your, your tracks, always consider not only the benefits that you get from making a certain decision, how those are going to align with your values, but also list out and confront the costs of not making a decision. Because I think that mm. sometimes decisions are so hard that positive motivation is almost not enough to get us uh, to take action and actually move. Mm. Yeah, I, I often speak about the concept of protecting your momentum. I think the greatest yeah. things in life come from, from exponential growth and momentum or positive momentum. So even, you know, even if something negative comes up and you're forced or you're compromised to make an unhealthy decision, right. uh, as we mentioned before, get back on the train and make a healthy one the next time. Yeah, I love it. That's all there is to it. That's really all there is to it. It's, you know, focusing on today, focusing on the present moment. You can never go back to the past and change it. So you might as well just focus on today and getting 1% better today. Um, so Zaid, it was honestly, it was, an absolute pleasure having you on the show is super, super fun and valuable talking to you having this conversation. Um, so I'm sure everyone listening right now is wondering, you know, where they can find you and where they can learn more about you. So where's that? Yeah. So for uh, most, uh, almost all social media profiles, it's going to be at Zaid K Dahaj. Um, you can also find me at the 2am podcast, uh, myself and two other close friends, talk about all sorts of stuff. We are about to record episode 76 actually on uh, obesity tonight. So you can find me there. Nice bit. Is that, is that live streamed or where do you guys put that up on, on YouTube or, or Spotify? It's available on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, anywhere you can find the uh, podcast. Awesome, man. Definitely going to be tuning into that one. Yeah, man. I, I, I appreciate your, what you guys are doing here. I appreciate 
the, the young aggressive mentality on helping people evolve. I'm totally with that message. And uh, I thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, my man. And I'm sure so many people got insane value from this uh, to really take into their own lives, to transform their mindset and ultimately their actions and their path in life. So thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we're extremely grateful for this uh, time with you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. You heard it from the man himself. He broke down the exact process for you to break free from that victim mentality and overcome those struggles that are in between you and the best possible version of yourself. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to find more from Zay, go ahead and check him out. The links will be in the description. And if you want to find more about us, get our help, go ahead and check us out. Main Place Ron is on Twitter. Again, those links are in the description. If you liked what you heard today, go ahead and rate us five stars. We appreciate it a ton. But thank you guys so much for listening. And you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you.